Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the football show here on WMUA Sports. My name is Jesse Kalaikin. I'm joined by Kyle Miller. It's the first football show in a while uh, because there has been no football here at UMass. Um, but hopefully back for the foreseeable future. The spring training has become underway. Spring games should be on in a couple of weeks, barring any bad stuff with COVID. So fingers crossed. Uh, we'll probably have some in- intermittent episodes here and there if any big news breaks. But uh, I just had to do one now that spring media has started. So uh, this was asked a couple times, and uh, I-, I will get it out of the way with first. Will uh, myself, will Kyle, will other media individuals be allowed to attend? When will you be allowed to be attend? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The SIDs at UMass don't know. Uh, I have no, we don't have information that we can share at this point. They don't have any, any information that they can share at this point. Um, I believe me, I hope I can get there. I hope we can get there um, as soon as possible. But for right now, um, we're not allowed to be at uh, practice. Part of that um, is because they're in the bubble. But um, yeah, no. So as of right now, we are not allowed to be there. When we are allowed to be there, or when, when we're allowed to tell you that we can be there, Absolutely, you guys will uh, will know. Um, but for right now, we just kind of have to suffer. Um, but that's all right. We would uh, we can hop right into this. Um, and we got a decent batch of questions from Twitter, so I think this might be a mostly mailbag episode. There hasn't been a ton uh, in media so far, um, so I'll just kick it off to Twitter. UMass football Twitter stalwart Austin Nurkiel who asked, who do you think will be the top three tacklers at the end of next season? Do they need to bring in an ILB with one of the remaining spots? Um, and this is something we've talked a lot about uh, in the offseason, Kyle. Uh, and uh, what are your thoughts on that um, top three tacklers and how the, the UMass uh, linebacker position group looks? Yeah, well, when you see – when you want your top tacklers, you usually want it kind of from the linebacker core. Um, it's a shame that UMass doesn't exactly have – it's not their strongest position right now, but I think when it comes, you're going to have to look at the secondary, actually. Um, Noah, Noah Boykin, Josh Wallace, I can see them coming up more maybe on blitz packages, blitz sets. You don't really see what's about to happen. But looking at kind of the young guys right now, I know we talked about a lot about him during the recruitment episode, but Dom Schofield, he's someone who can – kind of come in and slot right away. He can play both inside and outside linebacker. In terms of actually getting someone to come in and start recruiting, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to bring to bring in another linebacker to play the slot just to get some more competition in there, to get some more bodies in that linebacker room. But I think the future is bright for the UMass linebacking core. I definitely think there's a lot of good future there. You're right. Najee Logan definitely has shown some promise. He's pretty young to Sean Ross. He forced a fumble against Liberty, but it's a lot of young guys, a lot of, you know, red shirt, freshmen, sophomores. Um, Tyrus LeBeau is, is the big vet in the room. And he really is more of a linebacker safety hybrid, not money backer, but kind of that box safety type role. You know, you see Landon Collins do it. You see, uh, Cam Chancellor did it. Um, and so, you know, LeBeau's a little bit undersized. Um, so I would not expect him to rack up huge tackling numbers. 
Uh, and I think, you know, yeah, it, it's a definitely a question who's going to man the middle. Um, and you're right. They're definitely relying on Dom Schofield to come in and be as advertised. Bell talked a lot about Raheem Lincoln, um, who I think will kind of be an outside linebacker defensive end type role. Um, so, yeah, no, the middle of the defense is certainly going to be a huge question um, for UMass going forward. But they got a really young roster, and there's definitely talent on it. So I think they're just kind of hoping as the spring and then uh, OTAs and training camp take shape, so it is uh, their starting roster. Um, we'll move on to the other Urkiel. Uh, and he said, how about a schedule breakdown with projections? Um, and then who do you think will be the top pass catchers in the offense? Looks like Josiah might stay at tight end, and I think that really helps the offense. So we're going to save schedule projections for the second half, so make sure to keep listening for that. Um, and then as for top pass catchers and Josiah Johnson, um, I will give Kyle here a second to think about pass catchers. For my money, uh, I think Josiah Johnson is definitely staying at tight end full-time. You know, they like to throw him in at the Wildcat a little bit for fun, but I, I think he's definitely – for the most part, locked in at tight end for the future. I think that's good for him. You know, he doesn't have to worry about multiple positions. He gets to lock in on, on being a good tight end. He's an athletic, you know, athletic freak. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a good spot for him. But Kyle, what do you think about receivers? I'm going to go with um, maybe not one that you would expect. I think Trey Petway is going to come in, coming out of uh, community college, Hudson Community College out in Kansas. He's someone that can come in right away. And he's played, he's kind of played football at the next level. I see him coming in kind of Ellis Merriweather role. He come in, he knows what to do. He can be a leader. He's, I know he's coming in as a sophomore, but he's 6'3", pretty tall. He's pretty quick. We just need, as I talked to you about before, playmakers makes football. And I think if Trey Petway can come in and he can be a playmaker, then I think he can get some touchdowns, some yards after catch, some valuable things that I think UMass was missing last year in the shortened season. Definitely agree. And Petway is one of those interesting cases because he's a Bama, he, not University of Bama, but he's an Alabama guy. And Bell said something very interesting. And he said, you know, if there's no pandemic, we probably don't get Trey Petway. You know, he's a guy who did definitely had interest, um, but because of the pandemic, schools got a little nervous. So he's definitely one to watch. I also like a lot O.C. Johnson. Um, he has that big threat potential really fast a little undersized with speed on the outside. Um, and he was injured for most of this past season. So get him healthy. I think he could definitely put up some numbers, kind of that Tyler Lockett, Percy Harvin type role. They like him on the end around or the sweep. Um, and as for one breakout, I'll go with Anuma DK. They were really high on him this past season between quarterback carousel, offense generally had issues. He didn't really get to do a lot, um, but I mean – he is 6'5", 195, and he's fast. Like you can't that, teach that. Tell me what more you, you want. You can't teach it. No. No, you, you can't teach size and speed. So um, definitely a guy that the, the athletic staff is excited about. And, and then uh, finally, to end off the mailbag, we had two questions from Nick Baker. So thank you, Nick. Um, and I think we'll save the second one for the second half because it goes into the schedule. Um, but the other question you asked was it, that question is, do you think they can actually beat Maine and URI if they lose? What are the, what are the ramifications on the program? So we'll save that for the second half. Um, 
But then do you think UMass can actually put together an offense this year all on Walt to produce results? Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's completely on him now. You know, it, it's his team, his guys that he rec- that he recruited. Um, he's the offensive play caller now. It, it's definitely all on him. And this very much, I think, is a litmus test for how, you know, how good of a recruiter, of a coach uh, can he really be? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I definitely think it, it's uh, very much on Walt um, in terms of the results this year. Kyle, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that this offense – I mean, I'm not saying this has to be a high-powered offense firing on all cylinders, but there needs to be improvement from last year. Last year, there were times during games where the punter got the most, he got the ball the most times in a game. You can't have that. You can't win. We need to see more opening the playbook. You know, 24 leads ain't going to cut it three times on a first, second, and third down. Maybe an end around, maybe a sweep, a screen, different types of plays that can kind of get the defense thinking. I think the playbook last year, it was a short season, but I did think it was a little too one dimensional. I think that the more you keep the defense on their toes, the more you keep them guessing, that's how you can get these big plays down the middle, big plays around the end. And I think everything will open up in my, in my opinion. I don't disagree with you there, but it's definitely on wall. Um, And I I am interested though, because we haven't, you know, he came in as an offensive guy, the offense has struggled. And now for the first time, he's really fully taking control of it. So, you know, you'd hope that the first two years he learned how to truly manage a team, figure out how to be a head coach, and now he can go back and reclaim the OC responsibilities. Um, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, make sure, keep listening here on WMA Sports. We'll be right back with the second half and schedule predictions. Stay tuned. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the football show here on WMA Sports. Jesse and Kyle back at it again, doing a little mailbag right now. Some great questions in the first half, and we have a double doozy here in the second half because they both relate to one of Alex Urkiel's questions. Thank you, Alex, on Twitter. And he said, you know, schedule breakdown with projections. And so I saved the question from Nick Baker to go with it because of pair. And he says, do you think they, meaning the UMass football team, can actually beat Maine and URI? And if they lose, what are the ramifications on the program? And so um, 
this is all, of course, coming because in their last full season, in Bell's first season as head coach, UMass got blown out by Southern Illinois Salukis. And so for my money, I think the only way Bell gets fired after this season is if they lose to both Maine and URI. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people on Twitter want Bell gone or, or a very short leash. I think he still has a lot of leash left. If they lose to Maine and URI, who are two not good FCS programs, it's wraps. 100%. This is when you look at this schedule, if there are two games that you have that Walt Bell's looking at and you go, we need to win these games, it is Maine and it is URI. This is how. This is how you want to be as a program. If you lose those two games, how are you going to get recruits? Especially you're going to be, we're a D1. We want to compete with schools like BC. You're not going to be able to compete with BC if you can't beat Rhode Island or Maine. Yeah, no. You know, if you lose to North Dakota State or a really powerhouse FCS team, that's one thing. But you're losing to bad, middling to bad FCS teams in your own backyard. Exactly. And, and this is... Sorry, no, this is something that we talked about in the recruiting episode, right? Where it's like, if you want to beat out guys for BC, you have to start beating BC to get better players in Massachusetts. If you can't beat Maine and URI, how do you expect to get anyone decent in New England if you can't beat out the other teams who aren't even FBS in New England? This is this is something that these two games, this is where you bring recruits to. So this is what UMass football can do. This is where you want to see them playing well. If they can win these two games, maybe a recruit goes, huh, look at this. This is a team that can go somewhere. They know they made some new res- they made some new upgrades to the um, to the to the facilities. Everything's looking good like that. But that only gets you so far. It needs to show up on the football field. And I think it starts at the very, very least with these two teams right here. Agree. Yeah. URI was two and ten in 2019. Maine was six and six. You know, and Maine put up points in their last full season, but you know, they, they let up a lot of points too. You know, they're both kind of middling to below average this season in, in an abbreviated year. You have to beat them. You have to beat them. So, you know, I, I definitely think, and, and the Southern Illinois Salukis loss, it was definitely kind of crushing and not a good tone setter. Um, Salukis came out firing, really took them by surprise, ran the triple option to perfection, which is something that Bell definitely still needs to work on in terms of defending it. But yeah, no, there, there are no excuses to lose to Maine and URI. Um, I think the only scenario where he's fine is if you lose to one of them in a close game and you have other wins. You know, if they have three wins and it's a really close game and URI or Maine just has an absolute player go off or there's a bad call at the end, fine. You know, but if you have one or two wins and you lose to Maine and URI or just one of them, that's a really bad look for the red flag big yeah that's a huge red flag um let's get into this schedule though we've talked about it before but it's funny because you don't want to give um false hope especially be with the way that the team has looked in the last couple seasons there are six winnable games here right you know from from the time he got to umass Bell has said two things very consistently. We're going to recruit, and I want to get to UMass's first ever bowl game. You need to be six and six minimum to get in the, to get to a bowl game. There are six winnable games here: Eastern Michigan, Toledo, UConn, Rhode Island, Maine, New Mexico State. Those are six 
very winnable games. And I, I do not expect them to win all of them. But if you can win three or four of them, I think that is very good progress. What, what, what are your, what's your thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, I definitely agree. Six winnable games. I think three to four would be good. It's all right. Five, I think, is what they want to shoot for. Obviously, they want to get to a bowl game. This is kind of a year that, all right, last year was shorn with the pandemic, everything going on. That year before that, it was kind of getting everything in place. Now everything's in place. And not only that, Walt Bell, he's the play caller now. He's calling all of the shots. So it is all up to him. He wants to he wants to take this team to a bowl game. It's on him. It's on the players. Let's see how they respond to it. UConn, winnable game. I think Eastern Michigan's another one. All the ones that you said. And I think that not only that with the five wins – they got to show that these teams that may be out of their range, well, they are, well, teams like Coastal Carolina, Florida State, I don't want to see a 60, 60 to nothing loss, 60 to six loss. I want to see that they can compete against these teams, not necessarily win, but show we're not going to roll over after the first half. This isn't just a money game. Agreed. And, you know, so they started off with Pittsburgh and they host Boston College. You would expect two losses to Pittsburgh and to Boston College. That's fine. They're two ACC programs and Boston college showed a lot of promise last year. If you can make it, you know, 45 to 28, 35 to 24, you know, if you can keep it within a couple scores and really show some fight where it's not just garbage time, that's a really good look to start off the season and look for the program where it's like, okay, yeah, these aren't just buy games. Like you said, Eastern Michigan, very much a team UMass is is on par with. That is not a good MAC program. UMass should be able to beat them. Um, Coastal Carolina, a couple of years ago, probably said would have been an even fight. After last season, Coastal Carolina is looking like one of the better teams in the group of five. And Jamie Chadwell is still there. So Coastal Carolina is going to be uh, not an easy game. Probably uh a UMass loss but at the same time I still think you can very much expect to have uh, some kind of measuring stick there because Walt Bell for his career has not been able to stop the triple option Coastal Carolina runs a fantastic version of the triple option can you stop it um then you have two home games in a row which once again two absolutely winnable games you have you host Toledo who is not a good Mac team and you host UConn who you're now one and one with in the last two seasons they did not play at all last last year and we were just talking about winning recruits in New England you know UMass BC UConn and maybe Syracuse are the only FBS programs in the Northeast you got to beat UConn and in my opinion, I think that UConn can be labeled in with Rhode Island and Maine. I think that UConn is a better program than Rhode Island and Maine. For sure. But in terms of kind of the recruitment, those are three schools that you need to be you need to be above. You want to call yourself the flagship, you got to be above the soft schools in New England. Oh, I totally agree. And both institutions, UConn and UMass, have definitely made a push to make this a rivalry. And I really respect that. And I like that, that they're not just trying to – that they're not just – taking a lackadaisical attitude to, oh, you know, the students like to rip at each other. They're really trying to make this uh, a fight and maybe make a trophy for it. And that's great. But if you want to make it a rivalry, you have to win. Got to win. You got to win. Um, they have a bye week between UConn and then 
you ho- you travel to Florida State and to Liberty. No one's expecting them to be yeah. <laughs> in take a breath there from Kyle. It's a tough one. I mean, no one no one's expecting them to go two and zero against them, but they want to show some fight. You want to show that we could we could do these things. You mass can and. This is the two, these are two programs. Liberty last year wasn't the best of games, but you want to, you want to see some improvement from last year to this year. And that's a game where I'm excited to see. You can see that improvement. Agreed. Can you at least keep it really close for a half? You know, can you at least keep it within a couple scores after those two? So you have those two uh, travel weeks in a row, pretty bad weeks in a row. Then you have two, the and, and like we were saying earlier, the two must wins, Rhode Island and Maine, both at home. Maine is the senior day. Rhode Island is homecoming. You have to win. There's a you reason why they're senior day and homecoming. Right, know? right. You have to win. Um, so you have those two games, and then you travel two weeks in a row to end the season. First one, not too far, is to Army. And then the last one is a long trip to Las Cruces, New Mexico, to take on New Mexico State. New Mexico State is not a good team. Army is a very good team. Army, they run a different version of the triple option, but they once once again, most military academies run the triple option. They are fantastic at what they do, kind of um, ground and pound. Can you at least keep it close with Army? And then New Mexico State is a team that is not good. They're an independent. You need to be able to beat New Mexico State. If you want to really show you can move up in the FBS world, that is a that is very close to a must-win game. So, um, you know, I don't think we need to go into scores for any of this stuff. But <laughs> you know, in the first, you know, UConn's the last game in the first half of the season. So Eastern Michigan, Toledo, UConn, and then in the back half, Rhode Island, Maine, New Mexico State. Those are, those are six winnable games. I don't think anyone should be expecting them to go six and six. But if you can go four and eight, I think that's serious progress. I think that's very much a good sign for this program. Go four and eight, keep it close with BC, you know, lose a close game to UConn or to um, Toledo, lose a close game, you know, show some progress against Liberty and Florida State. I think that's really, really uh, a tangible measurement um, for for this program. I think that's about uh, it for us, though, folks. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to keep following WNA Sports. Make sure to follow Colin Casey on Twitter because he will be covering the Frozen Four uh, for us. So definitely uh, tune in for that and, and see how we do, see how the Minutemen do. Um, thank you for listening and uh, have a stay safe out there. I, I know Massachusetts is starting to open up vaccination, so get vaccinated if you can and uh, take it easy. <laughs>